Well, listen, welcome this morning. Welcome to New Life Church. Thank you for being with us today. We're a church that exists to make Jesus the center of our life, our church, and our community. And so I am thankful this morning uh, that my pastor, Pastor Fred and Valerie, are here today. They're going to be bringing the word to us today. It's been a while, uh, just a lot of changes, a lot of, lot of life, a lot of ministries taking you lots of places, a lot of stories in between, but we're thankful that you had this weekend available to be with us today. Uh, just a few things I want to share as I introduce and bring them up today. They serve as one of our outside elders for our church. They've been my pastors now going on 32 years. 32 years. I know, I got old and you got young. That's crazy. I need to find your secret. <laughs> but they, they began, they, they founded a church in Memphis called Christ the Rock Church. And uh, now known as Renewal Church, my best friend Chris, their son, leads the church now. And, uh, but it was one of the first openly racially diverse churches in Memphis. Uh, their, the motto at that time, and still kind of has this tagline, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and all kinds of people. And under their leadership, uh, I have learned, learned so much. Uh, one of the first things I learned from them was, uh, as a pastor, to have to learn how to be pastoral in care for others. Uh, I remember I was an intern there, and I asked Pastor Fred one day, I said, hey, when you go on your next hospital visit, can I go with you? And I'd never been on any of those, and I was just itching to learn how to do this thing. And he's like, absolutely, come on. And so I was able to go. I found out how you walk into a hospital room. I found out how you talk to a parishioner. Found out how you kind of ask the right questions and don't get too nosy. Uh, found out how to pray for the one lying there needing prayer. Found out how to follow up with them. I learned the importance and the value of the Word of God being preached in the right context. I appreciate that about the history of their ministry, preaching the Word in context, preaching the Word that holds high value and understanding the life-giving transformation of God's Word when preached in a healthy way can change our lives. Amen. I learned how to develop a prayer life under their leadership. Uh, both locations at 3505 Houston Levy Road and at 8800 Winchester Road, you had a prayer room. Uh, and I remember going up into those prayer rooms. You would call, have prayers just seemed to happen at different times. And I remember going in those prayer rooms and hearing all kinds of people pray. And as a young one, just figuring out, wow, that's how you talk to God. That's how you call on the name of the Lord. There wasn't a moment that I didn't go into that prayer room that God's presence didn't, didn't feel. That they were both upstairs. They were both in the upper room, so to speak. Uh, at Houston Levy, it was uh, in a pretty big classroom. It was a Sunday school room on Sunday mornings, prayer room at other times. There was one man that you had in leadership there, Harris Renfro, uh, that, that uh, would always lead a lot of these prayer gatherings. And, uh, and he, 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 through your leadership, he was able to teach me, uh, a young guy, how to begin to call on God's name. And then the other one at 8800 Winchester, the prayer room overlooked that big sanctuary. And I remember being able to look out through, that, through the window of that, of that prayer room overlooking that sanctuary and just just being amazed um, that, man, God was going to fill that place. 
God was going to use that place. God was going to use the people in that body of believers in that place. And he has. Certainly has. I learned, I only have 25 of these. Okay, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I learned that I have purpose under their leadership. Purpose. That God created me, God called me, and these folks gave me an opportunity. And they have believed in me for 32 years. They gave me room to grow and make my share of mistakes, but gave me the grace and the opportunity to to grow from that. They gave me support, continued to do that, and continued to pray for Haley and I in our church. And I'm thankful. Their routine, their discipline to prayer is mind-blowing. The commitment they have to prayer and to speaking into other people's lives to help them grow and and follow God's will and purpose. And finally, one of the things I learned under their leadership was the importance of being a person of integrity. Uh, These people don't lie. They don't cheat. They don't steal. They don't fraud. They don't run around, unfortunately, like others do. But in their case, long history of being people of integrity. Uh, Their yes is their yes, and their no is their no. And they have taught me the value of that. And I appreciate that so much. Thank you for giving me the chance so many years ago and allowing me to be, uh, one, just being able to be in your church and, um, and believing and speaking the word and not, not shying away from it, for being open to the spontaneity of the Holy Spirit in all those years. And I uh, had some wild services at times, but man, you always knew how to bring order. You always knew how to write the track and write the train back onto the track, and I appreciate that so much. And thank you for always welcoming us and believing in us and being willing to continue to speak life into our church and to our lives here today. Would you help me give a very warm New Life Church welcome to Pastors Fred and Valerie Bennett. Well, we love your pastors. I remember him being in, in the youth ministry with our son, and they'd come and pray at our house early in the morning. Remember that before school? And then later on, he became our youth pastor, and it was wonderful. And then our daughter trained under him, and now she's still the youth pastor at our church. So, I mean, you know, we've got history. They are truly people of integrity and character, and we love them dearly. You are blessed to have Jeremy and Haley. Pastors Jeremy and Haley. Amen. I've got my own. Thank oh, you. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and I must say that your your pastors gave me the least trouble of anybody I ever worked with. And uh, if you've been pastoring for any time at all or been in any kind of a supervisory role, you can appreciate that. Uh, you know, it's the ones that don't give you a lot of grief. And so uh, I just praise God for them and what the Lord is doing with them. You know, I just heard the uh, word this morning as we were praying uh, there at the house, uh, I just heard overcomer. And we were thinking about coming to new life and being with you today. And you're overcomers. You know, we, we know that familiar scripture, don't we? We are more than conquerors. We're, come on, overcomers by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. And by not loving our lives even unto death. Just uh, uh, three or four weeks ago, we were in a church in Marion, Arkansas, a victory church over there. Michael Smith, still pastors there after 30-plus years, I guess. And, uh, but uh, his associate pastor 
a young lady got up there and uh, she preached a great word and it was on that particular scripture. She says, you know, we're, we, 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 I think we understand the blood of the lamb that we overcome by his blood. We, we understand the word of our testimony is powerful. In fact, the word says the testimony of Jesus is what? The spirit of prophecy. When we're sharing the testimony of Jesus, we're prophesying to people. Do you know that, that we're all supposed to prophesy? Even Moses knew that. He said, I would that all God's people would prophesy. We just get the wrong idea about what we're doing. We start thinking we're John the Baptist or we're Jeremiah or somebody. And that, that's not what that's talking about. It's talking about the testimony of Jesus. What Jesus has done in our lives, what Jesus is doing right now. And how many of you, Jesus is doing something in your life right now? Can you testify? Amen. And by also the promise of what he said he's going to do in our lives. That's the testimony of Jesus that people need to hear. They need some reality in this generation. And folks, this is a wild world we're living in. I've been around for 75 years. I've seen some crazy stuff. But there is more weird things going on right now than I can ever remember. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just getting old and things shock me more. I don't know. But we need to stand up. We need to stand up, we need to open our mouth, and we need to testify about the goodness of the Lord. People need to hear that. People aren't, many people aren't coming to church anymore. Many people aren't listening to preachers anymore. But they'll listen to you. They'll listen to you wherever you cross their path. All you have to do is pray. And that's why I want to bring a word to you this morning on effective prayer. How can we be more effective in our prayer life in the year, this year of 2023, the year of the favor of the Lord? I say that because every year is the favor of the Lord until Jesus comes again. And then it's all going to be consummated to the glory of God. So let's talk about effective prayer this morning and how our prayers can be fervent effective, bear fruit, how we can begin to hear from God. Don't you love to hear from the Lord? Every day I hear a word. I heard this word this morning. You two are overcomers, and that's what's so important. In your church, you're overcomers. Um, I think it was last year or maybe this year before the Lord gave me a word. I kept meditating on being a righteous remnant. And, uh, you know, I always had kind of funny feelings about that term, righteous remnant. I like the righteous part, but I wasn't so sure about the remnant part. You know, it sounded kind of like you were a leftover or, or a scrap or the crumbs under the table or, or something that used to be a move of God and you just kind of, you know, are, are hanging around past your time. But the Lord really reproved me on that. The Lord said, no, my righteous remnant. He's talking to us, folks, you. His righteous remnant is the starter dough of the kingdom of God, of what God wants to do to advance his kingdom on this earth through us because of what we've been through, because of what we've experienced, because of what we have seen and what we have heard and what we have lived. We're the starter dough. 
You know, Jesus talked about a woman that she had three measures of meal and she mixed in the leaven with that to rise. God has brought us to the kingdom for such a time as this. Have there been better days? Have there been easier days? Have there been more productive days? Have there been days of bigger churches filled to overflow? Yes, but don't shortchange God. Trust God. Trust God. Our best days are still ahead of us. They're not behind us. I love the, I got, Val and I got a lot of memories, so do y'all. But we've got a lot of memories, but I'm not just living off memories. I'm living for the future, praise God. Let's live in the future tense. So how can we pray more effectively? I'm going to bring this word from Luke 11. Luke 11, beginning in verse number 1. You know this prayer that Jesus gave his disciples. They wanted to know how to pray. It says, now it came to pass as Jesus was praying in a certain place when he stopped that one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John, referring to John the Baptist, as John also taught his disciples. So Jesus said to them, when you pray, say this, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, That's a little bit different from the one that we usually recite, and all of us know we all pray it. But the Lord's Prayer is truly the most familiar prayer in all of Christendom. Some unbelievers even know the Lord's Prayer. So this one's been around from the very beginning. But Jesus' instruction on how to pray does not stop with this template This example that he was giving them. He said, yes, pray this way. But he didn't stop there. Look at verse number 5. Jesus went on to say to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And you go to this friend at midnight and say to them, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is shut. The door is shut and my children are with me in bed and I cannot get up and give to you. Verse 8, I, meaning Jesus, say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, say persistence. Effective prayer is persistent prayer. It's never give up prayer. It's never stop prayer. It's not just, I can't tell you the number of times it always makes me just kind of shiver when I hear somebody say, well, let's just fire off a quick prayer. Well, I'm sorry, that's not effective. <laughs> that's not effective. That might be good for show. It might be a good fireworks display. You know, the fireworks are beautiful and they're awesome and all the rest, but they don't last very long, do they? 
That thing fires up in the air, boom, and in a few seconds, it's, it's all gone. It's diminished. We want better prayer than that. We want effective prayer. We want prayer that makes a difference in our lives. Prayer that's transformational in us, in our relationships, in our life, in our ministry, everything that we're involved with. Let's pray effectively. So Jesus says, yet because of the man's persistence, his friend will rise up and give him as many loaves of bread as he needs. So, verse 9, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, what? Receives and everyone who seeks Amen. Okay. And everyone who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Right there we see in Jesus' instruction on how to pray in response to the request of his disciples. And this is one of the primary, I call them the five disciplines or metrics of mature disciples. How many of you consider yourself a mature disciple? Don't be ashamed. We need to get over our shame and our timidity and all this other crap that keeps us from, from being able to testify and to open up. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We need to get free in our prayer life. We need to get free in the way that we praise God. You know, I, I remember when you, you were talking about some wild meetings, and it was usually triggered by my younger brother and, and the praise team. And uh, before I know it, oh, wow, you know, how, how do I get them back in, in here where I can, uh, you know, preach to them? But uh, praise God for him. And uh, uh, so, you know, but there's prayer, there's praise, there's prophesying. But again, I'm not talking about trying to be a prophet I'm talking about that it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, when we pray, we need to stop asking for temporal things. I'm not saying you can't ask for them, but don't ask exclusively for them. We ought to be asking for the good stuff, the spiritual stuff, the eternal stuff. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who blesses us with what? Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. What an awesome thing. Your heavenly father wants to give you spiritual blessings. He wants you to receive them. You can receive them every day. You can receive them all the time. But it's like anything else. You have not. Why? Because you ask not. When was the last time you asked our Father for a spiritual blessing? And you were specific about it. You know, 
uh, 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 one of the things I'm going to share with you this morning is when you ask God for stuff, be specific. In fact, you'll find that when Jesus was ministering to people, he always pushed them to be specific. What do you want? He even asked that of blind Bartimaeus. I mean, wouldn't it have been obvious what he wanted? (laughs) He wanted to see, but Jesus made him say it. No, you need to ask for it. Ask and you shall receive. Not just these crazy religious little, oh Lord, just whatever pitiful little blessing you want to drop on me today. Or, or Lord, if you want to speak to me, you know. Or, no, ask. Ask. Seek. Knock, praise God. There's some persistence here that is necessary. The Holy Spirit is essential to effective prayer because the Holy Spirit consecrates us so we may be more effective and more effective in our prayer life. I love Romans 12. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable unto the Lord, which is what? Your spiritual worship. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. This is the kind of relationship that God wants with us in prayer. This is the kind of ongoing conversation that your Father God wants to engage with you in. He wants you to talk with Him. And it's a, it's a dialogue. It's not just a monologue. He wants a conversation with us. I uh, met a man just yesterday. Valerie was uh, helping to minister at a ladies' conference up in Fraser in Memphis. And uh, this, this uh, guest minister was there, and uh, he handed me his card, and I looked at it, and I noticed one of the things that he called himself uh, was a, a, a critical conversationalist. I don't know about the critical part. Uh, I guess he meant counseling, but, but, but talking about being a conversationalist. You know, we can all be better conversationalists. We can all be better witnesses for Jesus if we've got an ongoing conversation with our Father God. If we're hearing what he's telling us, now you don't have to stand there and wonder, well, I don't know what to say. Well, talk to God. I promise you. If you ask him for a word, he will give you a word. And sometimes that's all it is. But that may be all that you need. Val and I walked into a meeting. It's been, I don't know, what, Val, two or three months ago, I guess. Maybe a little bit longer. And uh, immediately somebody stopped Valerie at the door and they were talking with her. And I saw a friend, uh, one of our former members at Christ the Rock, and I walked across the room to him and struck up a little conversation with him, you know. And then I saw Valerie go walking by me, and I thought, well, they're about to start the meeting. So I said, I'll talk to you later. And I started to follow Valerie, and I'm walking across the room. And right up here, kind of in the right top corner of my field of vision, in the spirit, you understand, I see this word. 
and I'm, I'm looking at it while I'm walking, and I thought, I hope I don't stumble over something, but I'm looking at this word. God talks to people in all kinds of ways. So don't relegate God talking to you in only one dimension. He'll talk to you in whatever will get your attention, okay? And I see this word, and it's atrophy. It's in big block letters, and it's red, atrophy. And I'm staring at this word as I'm going to my seat next to Val. And I turned around, and I'm looking around the room, and I thought, well, who's that for? And the first person I look at is my friend that I'd been talking to. And so I looked at Valerie, and I said, you see our friend Jerry? What, what do you see when you look at him? What was it you said? He looked emaciated. And I thought, yeah. So I gave him the word. Now, that's all I had was the word atrophy. But if you will open your mouth in faith, God will fill it. And you will be able to testify to people and say something to them that could be a life changer right there on the spot. So I just spoke out and I said, Brother Jerry, as I was walking back to my chair after talking with you, God showed me the word atrophy. Something has atrophied. Something has withered in your life and he wants to heal you. And immediately his wife jumped up and shouted out, that's it. His faith has withered. He got a bad doctor's report. And he's got one foot in the grave. And I thought, wow. Well, I'm glad I didn't keep that to myself. I'm glad I didn't say, well, Lord, I'm not sure that's you. And, you know, maybe I'll give him a call later sometime. No, you've got to be right now with God. You know, if my wife comes up to me and says something to me, and I just sort of walk away, like I'm disinterested or I'm thinking, well, I'll get back to you later. You've lost it. This is the thing about the gifts of the Spirit, my friends. The gifts of the Spirit are right now. They're instant. What God is looking for is instant response. Now faith is. That's what we've got to get. God is an immediate God right at the moment. If you want to hear, get words from God. If you want to hear what God wants to talk to you about, you've got to be ready in season and out when it's convenient and when it's not. You know, I found that in talking with God, if God tells me to do something, it is rarely what was on my schedule. I had other things all planned out to do, and in order to be obedient, I just have to walk away from that. Don't walk away from God. Walk away from all your stuff. That's more important. So a group of the men in the meeting gathered around Jerry. We laid hands on him and we prayed. Now it so happened that that week he was going back to the doctor. And they were going to drop a scope down inside of him. And they were going to try to determine what they might be able to do for him. And he goes in. And he goes through this process. I've never had that done, so I don't know what that looks like. But goes through this process, and he testified to us. He said, you know, it seemed to be taking a lot longer. And he would know because he's a doctor himself. So he wasn't somebody that, you know, just being loony about it all. 
And he said, I noticed the doctor was taking a long time. And then he said he kind of stood up and he said, bring me those pictures, those scans. Bring me those. He said, either we've got the wrong picture or we've got the wrong man. But what was there before is not there now. He was immediately healed. Isn't that call? Come on, a little bit more than, you know, patty cake. Not for me, for God. To God be all the glory. Have you been used recently like that? Would you like to be used like that? I mean, now it, it gets back to that how we overcome thing by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and not loving our lives even unto death. Because sometimes when God speaks and asks you to do something, you've got to die to yourself right on the spot. All your shame, all your embarrassment, all your intimidation, all your doubts, and all the rest of it have to die right there on the floor. For you to step out in faith. This, my friends, is the power of an effective prayer life. Val and I pray every morning. We prayed this morning. We got up and prayed. We usually pray anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours together. We pray while we drink our coffee. Coffee keeps us awake so, so we don't nod off. But we, 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 we pray and we seek the Lord. And we're asking specific things. We're asking for spiritual stuff. We're asking, the first thing I ask for is, Lord, give me a word this morning. This morning it was overcomers. We're more than conquerors. We're overcomers. But it could be anything. And usually that's all I get. I get a word. And I take that word and I meditate on it. I ponder on it. Remember what it says about Mary when she received the word of the Lord about she was going to be pregnant with Jesus? (laughs) And what did she do? She took that word and she pondered on it. She meditated on that word. You have to give some time to it in prayer, asking the Lord, what does that mean? What what is that about? I mean, atrophy could be used for anything. It could be used, I guess, for a flat tire. But, But anything would do. You have to meditate on it. And then you have to ask the right questions, Lord. Who's that for? Because I don't presume that every word I get. You see, a lot of us are stuck in this thing. Somebody was, I asked somebody this morning, I said, you know, you, know I, you were telling me you felt stuck. Well, I think we get stuck in our prayer life because we think if God's going to speak to us, it's just for us. Get over yourself. You're on a mission. It's not just for us. Sure, God will speak to you about something in your life, but what he also wants to do is to speak through you into the life of someone else. It could be someone who's gotten a bad doctor's report. It could be someone who found out on the news that their bank just went belly up. There's no deposits left or whatever. It could be someone who just discovered that Wow, my, my company's going to let me go. They're, they're, they've, re, they've removed my job. It could be anything like this. Most of the time when we receive a word from God, it's for somebody else. It's for somebody else. We're not here just to live for ourselves. We're people. We're Christian people. We're here on a mission. You were talking about, Pastor Jeremy, uh, finding purpose 
That's, that's what it's about. We've got this purpose. We are to be his witnesses. We are all ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And our unifying ministry together is the ministry of reconciliation. For all who are in Christ or a new creation, old things have passed away. New things have come. And God who gives all things to us has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and not imputing our trespasses against us. And he has given us what? The word of reconciliation. That's what I want. Oh, God, I want your word. Heaven and earth may pass away, but the word, the word, this is the most valuable gift God gives us as we walk with him through faith in Jesus Christ. He gives us his word. That's why we need to meditate on the scriptures. That's why we need to pray. We need to ask, God, give me a word. Give me a word for this day. Give me a word that I can share with somebody else, Lord God. I want to make my prayer life effective. I want to make my prayer life fruitful, Lord God. I I want my prayer life to count for something so that someone this day can hear the testimony of Jesus because it could turn them around, call them out of darkness into God's marvelous light, out of Satan's powerful grip into the awesome power of God so that they might receive the forgiveness of sin and an inheritance among those who are being sanctified by faith in Jesus' name. Folks, this is what we're supposed to be living for, especially if you're getting up to my age. You know, there's a lot of stuff I used to do I can't do anymore. If you see me running, you better take off for your life because something bad is coming. Because I don't run. I really don't. I don't run. I, I can walk fast, but I don't run unless I am really in a crisis. But there are things that we can do in the spirit no matter how young we are. No matter how, no matter how inexperienced we are. No matter how old we may be. We have not seen it all yet. We have not heard it all yet. We have not done all that God has put us on this planet to do. Otherwise, you and I wouldn't be here. I mean, if it's done, it's done. Who wants to be here after it's done? I'd rather just go to be in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. So, friends, this is what we have available to us when we pray effectively and fervently. The effective, fervent prayers of the righteous avail much, praise God. Such a critical thing. Effective prayers are also fervent. They are passionate. They're intense. I love this passage in Luke eleven seventeen. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly. The same thing as saying fervently. That it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. I want to be fruitful, don't you? Anybody want to be fruitful? I want to be fruitful in life. 
I, I want to be fruitful in my, my, my family. We, we are blessed with wonderful children who are married to uh, some uh, beautiful people that love the Lord. Uh, our whole family serves the Lord. Uh, we've got seven beautiful grandchildren, many of them. Every time they have a birthday, we gather around them. We pray for them. We prophesy to them what gifts we're seeing in their life and what is beginning to come forth. We want them to know who they are. In this age of identity confusion, folks, we've got to stand up. We've got to begin to pray. We pray, thou so diligent in this. She leads us in prayer every morning of our lives for our children and our grandchildren. Because, friends, if we're not going to get a word from God for them, the world's got a word for them. And the world comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. So what's it going to be? It's our responsibility This is what we ought to be doing is praying effectively, fervently for our families, for their future, for them to discover their purpose in life. Well, our Judah just had his birthday, 17th, wasn't it, Val? 17th birthday. And, and, oh, yeah, on St. Patrick's Day. And uh, it chased all the snakes away. But, but... uh, But uh, uh, Val and I spoke over him uh, about how he has grown and matured, in the, especially in the last couple of years. We're just amazed. I, I mean, now he's, he's playing bass uh, in, in the uh, church group. And in the youth group, he leads praise and worship. And uh, he's gotten himself a job at a music store, appropriately. Best salesman they got in the store. And uh, uh, he's, he's just growing by leaps and bounds. And we're just so blessed by his maturity. And we told him that. Our kids, our grandchildren need to hear something other than correction from us. Yes, we should correct them when they're out of bounds. But that, there, there ought to be a ratio like 10 to 1 affirmation versus correction. Okay? One's absolutely necessary. But, you know, I believe if we gave more affirmation, if we prayed over our children where they could hear us praying for them, if we prophesied over them the testimony of what we see Jesus doing in their lives, that could be what keeps them on course. What keeps them in the will and purpose of God. This is critical, folks. You know, I I keep reading almost every day I see it in the news. Somebody will make the comment, you know, they're coming for our children. They're coming for our children. They're telling us that our children are their children now. And that they're going to teach them what they want. I praise God. You guys are overcomers because of this school. Don't ever question whether or not that was God's will. It most certainly was and is. Because this is a critical time. Education is one of the great spiritual battlefields in the earth today. Who and what are our children going to be exposed to? What are they going to be taught? Are they going to be taught the truth or are they going to be taught the lie? This is evangelism. This is discipleship, praise God. Because I know with Haley, I know with Jeremy, I know with how many of the others of you are involved in the school here? 
I know you are anointed of God. You have been called of God for this time and this season, for this purpose, because it's up to you and Christ in you, the hope of glory. You can dramatically change the trajectory of children's lives so that they're not infected, so that they're not confused. Isn't that worth fighting for? Isn't that worth believing for? I tell you what, if you're in this facility for no other reason but that, that's a glorious thing. That's a powerful thing. And we commend you in that as a congregation because I know that it takes a congregational effort to do something like this. Effective prayers are fervent. They have passion and intensity. They're not half-hearted. They're not lukewarm. What did, what did Jesus say about being lukewarm? I'd rather you were hot or cold. Just don't be lukewarm. I mean, stand for something. Don't just be wishy-washy out there. Too much of that going on now. We are also to persist. We're to be constant in prayer. Praying without ceasing by continuing to ask, seek, and knock. You know, in Luke 11 where it talks about asking and seeking and knocking, the verb form that is there is the present imperative. That means they aren't something we do once, ask once, seek once, knock once, and then forget about it. No, we keep on doing it. This is something we don't do once and forget about. These are actions that are repeated over and over again. So when we pray, we're to keep on asking. We're to keep on seeking. We're to keep on knocking in Jesus' name. Um, I love Pastor Mark Batterson at National Community Church in Washington, D.C. I think they got seven or eight campuses up there, and it's probably the only good thing going on in Washington, D.C. that I can think of. But anyway, but I praise God for this brother. And he uses a term, and I love it, so I want to give him credit for it. I may not down the road, but this time I will. But he uses a term, he says, we need to come before the Lord with shameless audacity. Shameless audacity. Some of y'all ought to write that down because later you're going to be asking your wife like I often do. What did he say? What was that word? Shameless audacity. And here's what he told this little story, and I, I thought it really encapsulated the truth of it. He tells the story of a Baptist missionary named Bob Bagley who prayed for a tree that had been cursed by a witch doctor in Africa just because a church met under that tree in the shade of that tree. They, they didn't have a building. They couldn't afford that. And this missionary was over there in Africa by himself, and, 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 you know, they're having church under this tree, and a witch doctor doesn't like it. So he curses the thing. It dies, loses all of its leaves, everything. <laughs> and so... The, the, the missionary realized that the church would lose all credibility with the community if this curse was allowed to stand. So Brother Bob gathered the church together to pray under the dead tree. <laughs> and they began to pray 
that the tree be resurrected, brought back to life. And Bob closed his fervent prayer with these words, Lord, it's not my name that's at stake here. I'm not praying this in my name for the sake of my reputation. This is on you. Now, that's pretty audacious, wouldn't you say? You've got to really know your Father God to pray a prayer like that. You've got to have some serious intimacy with the Lord to say something. I remember when I read that in his book, we both went back and said, wait. What did he just say? (laughs) Lord, this is not for my name's sake. This is for your name's sake. God's name was at stake. Here's a bulletin. God doesn't answer prayers just to give us what we want. God answers prayer to bring glory to his name. It's always for his name's sake. Friends, prayer is all about Jesus. It's all about glorifying the Lord. It's not about glorifying. I mean, without Jesus, who would any of us be? Nothing much. It's for his name's sake. Even Psalm 23, the psalmist said, he leads us in the path of righteousness for what? His name's sake. That's why he leads us in that path. It's for his name's sake. Now, here's the good news, the testimony part. The tree grew back. It now bears fruit. Not just once a year as it always did before, but now it bears fruit twice a year. And I thought, well, praise the Lord. I love that. Kind of reminded me of that prophetic passage in Zechariah 9, 12. Return to the stronghold. I call it the stronghold of prayer. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope, and I will restore to you double. Fervent, effective prayer glorifies the Lord's name. And his hope does not disappoint. We know that from Romans 5. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. We've got a hope that will not fail or disappoint. Whatever we ask, whatever we seek, whatever we knock for, whatever we hope will happen should be firmly rooted and grounded in God's word. This is why we're to renew our minds and keep on renewing our minds with all of his word. Renew his mind, renew your mind with this word. I want you to remember this. If you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember this this morning. It's found in Matthew 11, 12. Jesus' words. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. What does that mean? What does that mean? Who's it talking about? It's talking about us. What's the violence? It's the force of prayer. It's the force of faith. It's the force of believing in God, of opening our mouth in faith and letting the Lord use us. 
Paul talks about prayer as spiritual warfare, doesn't he? That's why he talks about putting on the full armor of God. It's force. You know what Jesus is looking for in us? He's looking, do we have any fight left in us? Or are we just hanging on till the last breath? Are we just trying to keep a low profile so we don't track the devil's attention because we know what he might do to us? No. No. Hear it again. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Remember the Canaanite woman who came to Jesus on behalf of her demon-possessed daughter? You remember how Jesus treated her? He didn't even listen to her at first. And then he kind of blew her off. And then finally he says to her, what were the words? Um, It is not good to give the children's bread to the little dogs. (laughs) And I'm reading this and I'm thinking, did he just call her a dog? Jesus, what what was he doing when he kept he wouldn't give people what they asked for right right at the first word? He was pushing on their faith. That's why you and I've got to be persistent. We pray once and we give up, or we go off and sulk. Remember, remember when Mary came to Jesus at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, and she says to him, "They've run out of wine." Jesus looks at her. Woman, it's not time for me to do my first miracle. And what does Mary do? Does she shuffle off and sulk and, oh, my own son won't? No. What does she do? Anybody remember? She turns to the servants and she says, do whatever he tells you. (laughs) And walks away. (laughs) And guess what he did? He turned water into wine, praise God. Persistent faith. Never give up. Never quit. We have a lady, um, I oversee a fellowship of ministries, and we have these global prayer lines. There's one lady named Marilyn. She's from New Mexico that's on the prayer line with us. When she came on the prayer line, after I noticed that on Zoom, you know, you can have the camera on, or you can just put a picture of yourself. And we never really saw Marilyn. We just saw a picture of her. And um, somewhere along the line, she started sharing some of her testimony. She shared that she'd been bedridden for 20 years. 20 years. Can you imagine? She was on oxygen just to sleep at night. She couldn't get up most days at all. She could sometimes, with her husband's help, get up and slide off the bed into a a chair sitting right next to the bed but that was it one day I noticed though that she was an intercessor she wasn't spending all of her time praying for herself what was me she was praying for other people she'd been a missionary and uh, as we were praying the Lord just gave me a word I said you know Marilyn I, I believe that the Lord wants you to sit up in bed he wants you to if you have to pull your legs off the bed and let your feet come down to the floor the Lord wants you to know that today you can stand up on your own 
She did. That was not my doing. I was way out on a limb. <laughs> and a lot of people were listening. It was God. It was for his name's sake. And she stood up. Since that time, Marilyn was able to get a walker, one of those metal walkers, and start just kind of barely moving. And then she decided, I I need some help to walk. So she got herself a physical therapist. And her husband would take her over there. And she called, she got all excited one day on the prayer line. She said, I was on the parallel bars today where I usually just kind of, and I started, I took a step, a full step. I didn't just slide my feet. I took a full step. And then the next day she took two steps. And before you knew it, she was walking out the other end of those parallel bars. She walked again. This week she was on the prayer line and she said, you know, I called my doctor and asked if I could go back and have that sleep test again. She said, the reason they got me on oxygen at night is because when they tested my sleep, I've never had that done. Any of you ever had the sleep test where they take in and monitor you and all that? And she said, they told me that uh, when the first time I did this, that I stopped breathing 157 times during the night. And I thought, whoa, no wonder they got you on oxygen. But then she said, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. Said, you need to go take that test again. And she did. She took the test. Woke up the next morning. Technician, whomever it was, comes walking in. Marilyn looked at her and said, well, how many times did I stop breathing last night? Technician just blew off that that question and said, uh, you don't need to be on oxygen anymore. You're not, you know, you're not, you're not suffering with this anymore. Come on now. That's why I call her Miracle Marilyn. I'm like, what a testimony. All to God's glory. And even though she was down for the count, you might say, she wouldn't quit praying for other people. I want to ask you as I close, and I do know how to close. (laughs) What's withered in your life? Has your faith withered? Has your hope for the future withered? Has your love withered? Has your prayer life atrophied? Have you lost your testimony in the sense of you just haven't found the courage or the strength to be able to share the testimony of Jesus with someone else? If something's withered in your life, stand up. or if you can't stand of course you can do this reach out your hand what did Jesus say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand do you know the kingdom of heaven is as close as my hand is to your hand even closer as a believer (laughs) amen 
The kingdom's in us. The kingdom is among us. The kingdom is with us. We carry it. We're carriers of the kingdom of heaven. Praise God. Reach out your hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, every one of these who is standing in faith and reaching out their hand is saying, Lord, something in my life has withered, but I hear your word. I believe that if you would do it for that Dr. Jerry, if, if you, you would heal him, oh Lord God, if you would raise Marilyn up out of that bed after 20 years, she'd been attacked in her spine with some kind of a virus and it had crippled her, or so she'd been told. <laughs> but Jesus, but Jesus, Oh, Father, I thank you that nothing is impossible in the name of Jesus for those who believe. We believe, Lord, of our unbelief. We believe, Lord God. We want to be your miracle. We want to be your testimony, oh, Lord God, that would cause someone that's lost or sitting in darkness or bound by sin tormented by Satan afflicted cruelly oh God we want to be your testimony that would bring faith alive in them that they could hope again that they could believe and they could trust in you in Jesus mighty name in Jesus name now I want you to pray with me Father God in Jesus' name, I ask specifically for what has been withered, and you name it. What has been withered in your life? What have you lost that you want back? This thing that I have asked for, I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep seeking. And I'm going to keep knocking on the door of the kingdom of heaven that I might receive. Say, I receive by faith in the awesome name of Jesus Christ, the lover of my soul, the one who gave himself for me. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace fell on him. And anybody know the rest of it? And by his stripes, say it with me, by his stripes, I am healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody give the Lord a praise offering. Come on. Come on. Say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Mm. Blessed be the Lord.